I invite you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn this evening to the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And the text I want to draw your attention to this evening is just one single verse found at the end of the chapter, verse 18 in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now that single verse explains the most significant thing that is happening in your life as a Christian believer. And we want to concentrate on that single verse. And although I want to expand our horizon to the entirety of the chapter um, in which the verse is located, I want simply to read that verse for us tonight and seek to unpack that uh, verse uh, for us this evening. Well, let's hear God's word, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thus far, this reading in God's holy word. Let's once again look to our God and seek his help and blessing. Let's uh, pray together. Oh Lord, our gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth and power and goodness of your word. And we ask tonight that in the unfolding of it, you would give us light and that we would have the eyes of our heart opened and enlightened to behold the one who is so full of grace and truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, grant us to behold uh, his splendor and majesty as proclaimed in the gospel. And we pray that as we behold his glory, the very thing we study would take place in our lives, that we would be changed into one degree of glory to another. Uh, bless your word to the church to that end, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when was the last time uh, you heard the word uh, ministry? It's one of those words that we hear all the time, isn't it? Uh, usually uh, used to describe many different services or activities done both inside the church and outside the church. But whenever we hear that word used, typically it is attached to some sociological, demographic, or even geographical uh, descriptors, college ministry, uh, inner city ministry, or music ministry, women's ministry, sports ministry, and the list goes on and on. Uh, we hear that word used in terms of its context and recipients. But I wonder if you ever stop to think of the ministry theologically. Uh, in terms of its essence and its nature concerning the glory of God in Jesus Christ uh, revealed in the gospel. Uh, what is the ministry that God has entrusted in the church, the gospel ministry, the proclamation of Christ, the ministry of the word? What is the ministry in the new covenant, which then, as the Bible says, particularly in Ephesians chapter 4, equips and builds up the saints for works of ministry? the ministry of the saints, saints using their gifts to serve one another and build one another up for the edification of the whole body. Well, in Second Corinthians chapter 3, uh, we find the answer to that question, and here the Paul, Apostle Paul is contending against his detractors. The so-called super-apostles who are more impressive speakers than Paul with more palatable messages, with larger followings, and here Paul, who is a humanly unimpressive and even despised man, 
with one message and one method in the city of Corinth, laboring in the gospel, simply preaching Christ crucified, preaching the whole counsel of God, the Apostle Paul is defending the authenticity of the apostolic ministry. And the validation of the new covenant ministry, as he says in our chapter, is seen in the transformation that takes place in the human heart and in the inner man. And if I can just draw attention to the rest of the chapter, you notice how uh, in verses 7 through 11, there is a running contrast, if you just glance down in that verses, a running contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. And Paul takes us through a sweeping, broad, redemptive historical contrast between the ministry of Moses with its temporary and external character and what is true now of, uh, now of the gospel ministry, the ministry which we as Christians have received, we sit under week after week whenever the scriptures are opened and Jesus Christ is proclaimed in the spirit. And Paul says in this chapter that the old covenant was absolutely powerless to save. There is no resource whatsoever in it for life because of sin. All that the old covenant does is to kill and to condemn. So, for example, in verse 7, Paul calls it the ministry that produced death, and down in verse 9, the ministry of condemnation. Even though the law could never lead to salvation, even though the mosaic economy was being brought to an end, Paul says it did come with glory. Just as Moses' face shone with glory on Mount Sinai, as Moses received the commandments of God on tablets of stone, compared with the Old Covenant administration, which can only produce death and condemnation, there is the surpassing glory and power and privilege that attach to the New Covenant ministry, the gospel ministry. And Paul says, by contrast, this New Covenant is the ministry of the Spirit, Verse 9 in chapter 3 says that this is the ministry of righteousness, the ministry that brings the righteousness of Christ uh, given to believers in justification. Although the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And what was once external by letters on tablets of stone under the ministry of the gospel has become an internal and permanent reality in the believers by the Holy Spirit. And in fact, this is the glorious reality Paul wants to set forth something that false teachers or super apostles, any worldly method cannot produce at all. Paul sees a believer's life being like a letter, like a letter in the Bible, letter written not with ink but by the Spirit of the living God. The lives of God's people are like living epistles written by the Spirit, written not on tablets of stone but tablets of the human heart. And so here is the new covenant reality that Paul wants to draw us uh, to consider. How God means to display the glory of Christ in the lives of his people as living letters to be taken up and read by all as the word is inscribed in our inner man under the ministry of the spirit. The whole of your life is being transformed after that pattern As we read in verse 18, our text tonight, we being beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed into the same image of glory from one degree of glory 
to another. In other words, God is changing you as a Christian believer into the image of his beloved son from one degree to another. And that's the most significant thing and the most distinctive thing that is happening under the New Covenant ministry in the ministry of the gospel. And if you are in Jesus Christ, that is true of you as well. What God is about is he is gradually changing you into the image of his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are being conformed to the image of Christ. You are being changed into glory. And I want to simply unpack for the rest of our time together the truth described in verse 18. And first, I want simply to consider what the scripture means by glory. What is it that we are being changed into? What does it mean for you to be changed into glory? Well, the word glory in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word kabod. It captures the idea of weight. When we say glory, we're speaking of weightiness or heaviness. And you tend to measure something's worth in terms of its weight. You've even probably heard expressions like you are worth uh, your weight in gold. Uh, people say the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ is simply the display of his worthiness. It's the outshining, the effulgence of his character. So glory is always linked to the language of worship. Worthy are you. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy to be praised. We glorify you. We use those expressions in worship. And that's the ultimate purpose and the omega point of everything God is about in his purposes. The God of the Bible has one glorious passion in all that he does. And if we can put it reverently, his one grandiose obsession in all that he does is the display of his glory. It is to reveal the glory of his character. It is a grand obsession of the triune God in all that God does. So think of what God has done in this creation. When God created the world, we read in the Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. And Isaiah adds in Isaiah chapter 6, the earth is full of glory. And the pinnacle of creation, creation of man is made in the image of that glory. The whole creation, in other words, is a theater for the display of the glory of God. But it is all the more true when we consider uh, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, God the Son. Christ, the Lord of glory, came into the world from womb to tomb. The whole of his earthly life and ministry as the servant of the Lord was taken up with the glory of God, was said of his birth at his incarnation, that we have beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father. And looking over the totality of his ministry and prayer in John chapter 17, this is the summary statement Jesus himself uh, speaks to the Father. Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And even at his death on the cross, the glory of God was his chief concern. Right at the moment when Judas Iscariot went out to betray Jesus, as the prospect of the cross began to penetrate into the soul of Jesus, Jesus simply declared, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. The cross is where you see that glory most clearly, where God, who is 
true and love and merciful, just and righteous and holy and tender, the God of salvation reveals all the glorious characters of who he is most splendidly at the cross. But if the glory of God is the preoccupation of God the Father in the work of creation and the preoccupation of God the Son in the work of redemption, then the amazing thing is that it is also the preoccupation of God the Spirit in the lives of his people in the work of sanctification. God the Spirit has one uh, ultimate purpose in all that he does in your life, and that is to put glory in your life as a Christian believer. Again, as described here in verse 18, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into one degree of glory to another, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, the word used there is literally metamorphosed. You are being metamorphosed into glory. It's the same word used for transfigured. Uh, This is what happened to Jesus himself on that mountain when Peter, James, and John saw the sudden outbreaking of glory that envelops the whole person of Jesus. And as Jesus was transfigured before their eyes into dazzling white, uh, they were simply beyond any words. The kind of heavenly glory, such as no eye has ever seen, almost for a momentarily glimpse granted to the three disciples, Jesus was transfigured into glory. And what the scripture is saying to us is the same type of transformation is happening to you spiritually, inwardly, and internally if you are a Christian believer. And Paul says this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, Paul is not equating here the Lord, the Lord Jesus, uh, with the Spirit. He's not confusing the two persons of the Godhead. But what he's doing here is that there is such a functional identification, if you will, that all that the Spirit does now is the same work that Jesus Christ does. Of course, you know in your own experience that how does Christ uh, dwell in your heart? Scripture declares that Christ lives in you by his Holy Spirit. And this work of sanctification, which comes from the Spirit, also is the work of the risen Christ. Jesus, upon his exaltation to the right hand of the Father, received from the Father the Spirit. And Jesus now, that man in heaven who came in full possession of the Spirit, is now sending his Spirit to be poured out upon the church and into your own heart so that you have come to know the Holy Spirit, unlike the old covenant believers, only as the Spirit of the risen Christ. And what the Spirit is doing is what Christ is doing. And by the working of the Spirit in your life, The Lord says the glory of God is being inscribed and worked in your character and your life. And that is the essence of the gospel ministry, the glory of Jesus being formed in his people. This is a goal of salvation, isn't it? Not just that you would be saved from sin, but you would be saved for his glory. 
that God who had adopted you as his, uh, as his children in his son would increasingly work that family likeness of glory in your life and in your character. And this is a sheer breathtaking uh, reality of what is taking place in the lives of all of God's children. And if you glance just a few verses back up, Paul compares this situation with uh, the experience of Moses. Here the uh, example of Moses is taken up as a parable. Uh, Paul is thinking about what happened in Exodus chapter 34, where on Mount Sinai, Moses coming down from that mountain with two tablets of stone, and because he dwelt in the presence of God, his face was shining from the glory of divine presence so that a veil had to be placed on his face so that the people would not have to gaze at that glory. And Paul is using that as a parable in comparison with the far-surpassing glory and privilege that Christian believers now enjoy in the new covenant. And notice these uh, three uh, areas of contrast that highlight the privilege of your own experience and possession in Jesus Christ. Whereas we read in verse 7, Moses enjoyed that glory in a limited sense. The rest of the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of that glory. Whereas that glory in the Old Covenant was selective and limited. It wasn't available to all of God's people. But verse 18, our text says, it is we all All of God's people, all Christians inclusively, are now enjoying that glory. And whereas that glory Moses uh, reflected on his face was transient and fading, it is something that dwelt on his face and faded away. It was something that was coming to an end and not a permanent thing. By contrast, verse 18 says, this glory is being worked in us in a permanent and ever-increasing manner. In other words, what is being worked in your life as a Christian believer has an eternal character in it. The stamp of glory that is placed upon your life will never be blotted out. In an ever-increasing fashion, you'll go from glory to glory. And whereas in the Old Covenant, that glory was just a physical and outward expression. It glowed on Moses' face. The glory that God the Spirit works in you as a Christian believer is inward and internal. Again, the transformation, the transfiguration in view in verse 18 is in terms of uh, your character and your heart, the inner man being changed into that weight of character that displays the glory of God. Jesus Christ, you are being transformed into Christ's likeness, as Paul says in Romans 12, through the renewal of your mind. Now, of course, the Christian hope that the gospel proclaims to you is bodily. One day it will be physical glory. You will be raised into the glorious body like the glorious body of the Lord Jesus. In your flesh you shall see the Lord Jesus as he is, and you shall be like him, body and soul, But even before the resurrection, what Paul is saying to us is that we even now are being changed. And that is the most significant and glorious thing that is happening among the saints in the church. Jesus Christ, in other words, is being formed in you. You're being increasingly made like Christ. 
whether you can discern that or not, you are being more and more conformed into the image of that glory. Now notice three things about how that is taking place in your life. Uh, This transformation for you as a Christian believer, first of all, uh, verse 18 says, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's how the Spirit works in your life, revealing Christ to you, and the Spirit glorifies Christ in the lives of his people by, if you will, replicating in uh, God's children what was preeminently true of Christ himself. The Spirit is bringing about that transformation in your life. And then secondly, this transformation in your life is taking place through God's appointed means. Our verse says, It is as you behold the glory of the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord. That's the condition behind this transformation. And the question is, where do you go to behold the glory of Jesus Christ? And the answer that the Bible proclaims to you is, it's not in visions, it's not in dreams, but the glory of Christ is revealed in the gospel, in the word of God, in the scriptures, you behold and gaze upon the face of Jesus Christ in whom the light of the glory of God shines. And that means, obviously, that Christians grow and are transformed transformed to the degree that we give ourselves to study the scriptures, to see the Lord Jesus Christ, to be like the Greeks who came to Philip in John chapter 12 and says, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. We just sang in Psalm 115 how those who make and serve idols become like them. But the opposite is true for Christian believers. You become like the Christ whom you behold with the eyes of faith. And as the word of God is opened in the spirit, as something of lasting glory is being worked in your life, that you are being metamorphosed by the power of God's word, the word which sanctifies you and makes you like the Lord Jesus. That's the most crucial thing uh, for the transformation and eternal blessedness of God's children that you give yourself to be under that constant new covenant ministry of the word of God that brings that knowledge of the glory of Christ before your eyes, the eyes of your faith, so that your soul may be exposed to gaze upon Christ proclaimed in his word. And that's the appointed means that God uses to make you more like Jesus. He uses his word. But then the other means he uses, and you'll see this at the end of chapter 4, is suffering, afflictions. God is pleased to use things of earthly trials and sufferings in order to mold us into the image of Christ. And so this is a work under the gospel the Lord is doing through his appointed means. But then thirdly, here's a reminder to you that this transformation is a work that is lifelong in its duration. Uh, Sometimes you work around construction sites and there's a sign that says a work in progress and it might as well be put up before each one of us as Christian believers. All of us are a work in progress. This work is not done overnight. But this is an ever-increasing thing from the dawning of the day of grace when you first believe in Jesus Christ to the day of glory when Christ will return. 
the verb that is applied to you in verse 18, being transformed, is a past, present, continuous reality. In other words, this is not something that will ever stop. From one degree to another, in an ever-increasing fashion, we are being changed from glory to glory. And that's what happens in the gospel ministry that you sit under as the word of God is opened. And if that is truly happening to you, and the Bible declares to you that it is happening to you, what difference should it make in your thinking and living? As a Christian, uh, as Christian believers in this world, what difference should it make in your Christian living as those being changed into glory? And let me simply mention as we close four things as we finish by way of application, then we can come back to these in subsequent studies to uh, delve further into it. The first of the four application is simply this. Uh, Since you are being transformed into glory, therefore, Paul says, we do not lose heart. If you are a Christian believer, and there are so many things that are tempted to discourage you in the Christian life, but the exhortation to God's people is do not lose heart. Don't ever be discouraged. In your ongoing struggles, maybe struggles with sin, in all the the trials of the Christian faith, the encouragement, exhortation to God's people is rather let your heart take courage, be hopeful both towards yourself and towards others because you are being changed into glory. Christ is building his church and the purposes of glory are being carried out so we do not lose heart. Then secondly, we also do not lose sight. Uh, God has removed a veil from your eyes. Paul says, You don't have the veil that covered the face of Moses. You don't have that veil that comes over the human heart when they seek to be justified by the law. Later in chapter 4 says, Another veil is at work in this world. The gods of this age blind the minds of unbelievers from seeing the glory of God in the face of Christ. But that veil has been removed from you. God has let his light to shine into your heart. So you have begun to see Christ and his glory in the gospel. So then, make sure you keep your eyes fixed upon Christ. You behold Christ. You keep beholding him by faith. You see his glory in the scriptures. And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if your eyes are healthy, then the whole body is healthy. Since you are being changed into glory, make sure that you do not lose sight. Maintain your spiritual eye contact with the Lord Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And thirdly, uh, we are encouraged here to keep up the fight. With your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus, then you stand firm in the grace. And by the Spirit who is at work in you, you go on putting sin to death. You're going from strength to strength, from victory to victory, from glory to glory. Christian life is an ongoing battle. But we don't fight in our own strength The Spirit of God dwells in you, so we keep up the fight, fight the good fight of the faith. By the Spirit, you constantly put to death the sins to which you have died. And fourthly and finally, since the light of the gospel has shone into our hearts, therefore we live as sons of light in this world. The light of Christ has shone. The gospel says you are already light in the Lord. You are being transformed into glory. You are not like the rest of the world. So live as light. And so actually what so many people call ministries are just simply 
living as Christian believers in this world. It is all manner of good things and good work, Christians being who they are and being light in this world, doing what their new nature and God's word directs them to do. It's Christians shining as light in this world. And, of course, we know that all of that is a result of being changed under the ministry of the gospel. So this is the glory of the new covenant ministry. The Lord has shown to you the glory of Christ. And beholding his glory, God says, you too are being changed into Christ's likeness. Or may we, by faith, continue to go on from strength to strength. May God bless the means he has ordained in our lives so that we may become more and more like Christ until the day he returns. May we be inwardly strengthened and transformed by his word. Let's pray together.